Hi, I'm Ulysses, and this is Music, Meaning, and Mystery Podcast. This podcast is a pilgrimage to the meaning and mystery of music. I'm glad to have you along. For those of you who are regular listeners and are paying attention to the monthly release schedule, you will notice this episode is a little bit late. I've recently moved to a new town, and my wife and I have decided to renovate the place we moved into. In retrospect, we should perhaps have taken this up in the winter when it's less busy in my line of work, but half the floors are tore up now, so away we go. Couple that with having taken a second job as a graphic design assistant for a deck of tarot cards. How could I pass that up? And the Oilers making a pretty deep NHL playoff run. I felt a little bit more Canadian than usual this year. Well, that means the show is late. It's a very good one though, so very much worth the wait. The show is a conversation with Bettina Roth. Bettina is a dancer and ecstatic dance facilitator and specialist. You can find her online at bettinaroth.com, link in the show notes. And we have an excellent interchange in this episode about music and the body. You waited an extra three days for this episode to drop, so let's get on with the show, shall we? When you listen to the music, do you notice the vibrations actually happening in that body? Or is it a mind thing that then triggers the different parts of the body? Mm -hmm. Does it have to do with timbre and resonance? Or is it more like a psychic thing? Mm -hmm. I think it depends how you process music. For me, I'm a very tactile and somatic body-based person. So I experience it in the body. And I often try out music before I play it. So if I, I don't know what the music does to the body, I get up and I just watch for the impulses. And these impulses arise from the body rather than the mind. So, you know, this morning I was listening to a beautiful piano piece and I was just watching my arms go out and up. And I was like, oh, this is fascinating. This was nothing that my mind decided was a good idea, but all the movement wanted to happen up with the uplifting of the heart. Right. So I do think that different instruments specifically and different frequencies and different tempos speak to different parts of the body. And of course, the body is directly linked to our psyche. And with that, we also access different gateways. So beyond I don't know if you're familiar with the chakra system, but I kind of sometimes feel, you know, music talks to different chakras, even based on what key a certain piece of music is in. So one thing that I've been exploring with is working with sound healers and, uh, for example, who play didgeridoo, which, as you might know, they come in different keys. And so different keys in the didgeridoo directly correlate with different parts of our chakra system. And so that's just, you know, for me, there is some theory to it and, and, and mental, I think, awareness But most of it, for me, comes directly from the body and my own willingness to explore how does a piece of music affect me? And then I try it out in a room and I see what and watch what happens. You know, it's very, very uh, impossible when you play a good Brazilian song for people to move with stiff hips. There's just something that begins to loosen up that, you know, maybe a piece of like rock music might not do the same way. 
So I think to answer your question, I think it bypasses in some way the the idea of music and goes more into direct experience of the rhythm, the frequency and the key and the instruments chosen. When people do your class and and, uh, experience these, I guess you could call it uh, somatic entrainment or something like that, what effect does it seem to have on them, like kind of a before and after? Mm-hmm. And, and also like on the group in general, because I've definitely been thinking a lot about what sorts of visions can we have for the future for music integrated in community and in new new ways, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the the way I work with music is primarily in conscious dance, as in the five rhythms movement practice that I've been teaching for over 20 years, or ecstatic dance practices that are really designed to bring community together. They're not so much about dancing in isolation, even though some people have their home practices as well. But my interest has always been you know, bringing groups together and using rhythm as a connector a way that we can come together without having to speak the same language or knowing anything about each other. You know, what's your status in the world? What's your sexuality, political orientation? It doesn't matter. The dance itself or the movement or breath when shared consciously is the connector. And the music itself, I sometimes see it as a catalyst, as in like it moves energy right? Especially if we work with the ecstatic wave, you know, and you, you don't uh, see me if you're listening right now, I'm making my wave hand movement, but it is the rising up towards a peak and then the subsiding, you know, which is one way that energy travels. And we use that a lot when we work uh, with ecstatic dance. Um, so the music is a catalyst, but it also is a bit of a, a soundscape that holds the group, And not everybody dances to the music the same way. And that's, I think, the beauty of this conscious dance practice versus a form-based, step-based dance practice where we're all trying to learn the same steps. Uh, And in some ways, we try to fit into the music or fit into a certain style of dance. What I offer is a space where anything goes, any movement goes, and you're not forced to move in a certain way. In fact, you know, I invite you to move in whatever way feels right for you. Uh, you know, and give some guidance around how to bring in the parts of us that we might not have mapped out. So when you ask, what do people walk away with? I would say a greater body awareness, a greater connection to themselves. And, and self for me here is the authentic self, like the true self that lies underneath the identity, the masks, the feeling I have to perform or get something right. There's also a greater sense of connection in the space. Because it's quite vulnerable to move authentically and people show up and, you know, you see the new people sometimes in the corner. And then when they see other people just being themselves, they go, well, I want that. And so there's that sense of permission and freedom that we create and people get connected. We often invite partner dances or, you know, four or five people moving together or even with the awareness of the whole group. And because it's framed as a movement meditation practice, The idea is to get out of the thinking, observer, judging mind and to have more awareness in the body and really acknowledge the intelligence of the body. So with that part, uh, a good facilitator gives a lot of guidance because I think in our Western culture, that's one of the biggest wounds that we have that, you know, often we're 
so separated between body and mind. And so part of it is weaving ourselves back into wholeness, body, heart, mind, spirit. And the movement practice you know, is an ancient way that we have always done that. Like uh, we, our ancestors have always come together through with their instruments and their way of bringing tones and voice and sounds out. And it is a way to create unity, I believe. Mm-hmm. And especially these days where we're so polarized and so diverse, uh, not in the good diverse, but almost like separated diverse. Um, I've been finding that shared movement shared breath and even shared song, you know, can create that tangible unity, unity consciousness and sense of connection that might be very difficult to get in other ways, especially in the age of Zoom. I'm very thankful for the technology that's created by by very intelligent people because I get to speak with people like you, but there is there's definitely uh, there's it's uh, there's something missing to it. Uh, it's it goes so far um mm-hmm. uh, because it's doesn't it's not your body you're just like your eyeballs right? <laughs> it's true, but i want to interrupt you here because you know we were forced when COVID uh first hit a year and a half ago we were forced to move all our programs online hmm. and zoom dancing was not a thing before and now half of my work is on zoom So it is actually possible to create something similar on Zoom, you know, if people are willing to actually do their movement practice, and we have people from all over the world joining. So it is a different kind of community that gets created, different time zones, different countries. Um, But, you know, I DJ live, I I have my headset on, and I guide through a process. In some ways, it's very shamanic, because it is not in the same physical space. We create a virtual online dance floor. And it's been marvelous to see how for some people that actually works better mm-hmm. because they feel more safe They're in their, their home, home. Yeah. or they have more accessibility. They have the permission to turn off a camera. Um, so I, I've been discovering that screen fatigue is a thing for sure, especially if we're used to just relating through our heads and our thinking. But if we use the medium also through sharing music or song or dance, it can also create that type of connection that you and I were talking about. Well, thanks. That's uh, very heartening because, uh, you know, I, I, lo- I love being corrected like that because my tendency is towards uh, like a, maybe a pessimism towards the, the transformation we're undergoing. But of course, all transformation mm-hmm. is transformation. It's neither this or that. It's just transformation, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So the, the initiation is not supposed to be it's not supposed to be pleasant. It's supposed to be an initiation. Yes. And so much, you know, I'm discovering is possible. Last year, I got hired, if I may share, by a group in a small African country called Eswatini. I didn't even know the country existed until they contacted me and said, would you be willing to facilitate our group? We're going to be together in person in this beautiful amphitheater, and we're going to bring you in virtually. And I said, so let me get this straight. You'll be in person. I'm the only one on the screen. And they're like, yes. So, you know, I asked them to get the big sound system and the big screen set up. And it was my morning time, their evening time, my winter solstice, their summer solstice. And we created this very intimate experience that started in person. And then COVID got worse and worse in that country. And in the end, everybody was online. But we kept this class going for several weeks, and I learned a lot about resiliency and about the power of technology, of what's possible. 
and communities really showing up in support of each other. So I, I, I give a lot of thanks you know, for uh, the computer medium and all the technology that makes it possible to facilitate something like that. Because I think coming together in person is something that I used to take for granted. You know, I'd have been teaching all over the world for 20 some years. And now it feels like a luxury you know, to be in a real venue with real people. Um, and uh, it, it is often only for the privileged ones. And I think the online medium can reach people that would otherwise not have access mm-hmm. to the type of work that we offer. And I say we, because there's many people that do similar things than I do. Uh, And I've seen incredible offerings being made, often free, uh, just so that people have a virtual space to come together. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good point about access. Um, Definitely access has changed. It's it's upheaved the the music world as well, uh, access and distribution. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. kind of yeah it's 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 reversing it's inversing the hierarchy for sure um you know what whatever comes of it we, we have to we have to ride the ride to see but it's definitely done that um hmm. it's really got me thinking about community like what it what um what the um the word i'm looking for not the consequences but the repercussions or the reverberations this uh will have on the way we assemble in in communion because that's what mm-hmm. community right that's we're in communion with one another we're we partake of one another i would assume that's what it sounds like you're describing where people um let go of certain boundaries that they imagine they have that separates them from others uh, and engage in communion so this uh, upheaving of the way we commune with one another um, it sounds like you're you've got a positive outlook on it at least at least in part yeah a positive outlook um most days, most days. No, I, I keep trying to focus on what I'm here to create and what the world needs. And we need more spaces that unite rather than separate. Mm. And I think music is a connector. Dance is a connector. Breath is a connector. Um, you know, sharing a song is a connector. And so I, I keep trying to find ways that we can experience unity consciousness and we can experience interconnection you know, so that we can make that shift from just me-centered thinking to really we, we as the human species. You know, we're, we're herd animals in nature. And I think most of us have highly individualized and unfortunately through the political and, and health implications in the last year and a half or, you know, in some countries longer, I think the sense of isolation and individuation has even grown. And um, when I you know, step into the spaces that I do, I often feel that profound longing and sometimes even fear of other, right? It's like we have both. It's like, I want to deeply commune with you and I'm also terrified of you because it means that I need to open. And a lot of us have built a lot of armor, right? Not only in the body, but it shows up in in the heart, it shows up in the mind. And so part of what I see my job as is to, to de-armor people 
and to remind them of their humanness and to see and witness that in each other. And music definitely helps. You know, if you find a good song that everybody kind of can relax into, it's like, wow, I don't have to say very much. You know, I feel the artists that that get that, how how rhythm can unite and how lyrics can unite, you know, I bow to them because it often just takes that, uh, you know, to bring a room together. And we can feel it when we're together versus just individuals in the space. Um, is this a, a, like a spiritual practice or a religious practice for you? That's a beautiful question. Um, for me, it is a spiritual practice. Um, I was trained in that way, um, you know, that it is a way to bring body and spirit back together. And it is a path for awakening. Um, I'm not sure that it is that way for everybody who comes to our programs. Um, for some people, it might just be a good workout or they might enjoy, you know, the people around them or it's a way that they can release their pinned up frustration but for me, it's always been a spiritual practice. Yeah, right from the get-go, actually, because I had a lot of problems being in my body myself. You know, I grew up very academic and uh, luckily found the Berlin house scene as an outlet to experience myself in these collective trans states. And um, so I had a real hunger you know, for spirituality, for embodiment, for healing, and I was fortunate enough to study with a lot of pioneers in this field of somatic intelligence. Somatic's just another word for body-based um, and the healing arts, including my teacher, Gabal Roth, who founded the Five Rhythms. And so for me, it's always been tied. Healing, spirituality, and embodiment have been p- p- different parts and aspects of myself. And in the last few years, I've added leadership to it because I really believe that the leadership through the body and the conscious stewardship of my awareness and the the actions that come from that increased awareness are part of what it takes to be embodied and to inspire you know, through our um, nonverbal, but also through our verbal um, actions, right? So I guess the answer is yes. I wouldn't go as far as to say religious, um, but spiritual, absolutely. I think I'd like to ask you, because this is so such a body-oriented practice um there are all sorts of different bodies <laughs> yes um, and all sorts of different relationships to the body mm-hmm. you know some of us have, may have bigger or smaller bodies uh bodies that don't cooperate with uh what we want them to do there are health issues there are sometimes the part some limbs are missing to mm-hmm. do, do people with say you know, disabilities, would they have to participate in this communion in a way that's different? Or how, how does one navigate this, uh, you know, this body issue? Mm-hmm. Thank you for bringing that up. That is part of what I love so much about conscious movement, that anybody who's in a body can move. It's kind of like, you know, if you can talk, you can sing, if you can walk, you can dance. And I would even go as far as to say, you don't even have to be able to walk, you know, because we do work with people in wheelchairs, people, as you said, with disabilities or missing limbs, um, elders. Um, As long as you're in a body, you are moving, even if your movement is very, very limited. Um, I have some colleagues who focus on dancing with disability, who have created huge bodies of work around how to make this work of conscious dance accessible 
to all types of populations, you know, including people with mental illness, you know, people with autism, people with severe disabilities, elders. Um, and for me personally, you know, in all my experience, I've, I've always noted that people who come and who come as a less able body, you know, they have a few more steps to overcome, right? Because often they have been uh, judged or criticized or, or put away or, you know, they have a lot of self-consciousness. So they might need a little bit more support you know, to find their way into a space that they don't feel so other. But I'm just thinking of my regular class right now. We have several people there that I would consider are more unusual in their embodiment. You know, one woman who's who's very, very large and she can only be on her feet for moments at a time. And so she mostly sits. And so she has found her own way to be in movement that is comfortable and workable for her own body. And people walk over to her and move with her or, you know, touch her hands so it is largely, I think, a way to integrate people you know, who have more challenges in their embodiment uh, through facilitation, you know, having a welcoming community um, or to have special programs or even one on ones, you know, where specific issues can be addressed. Like I work a lot with um, women survivors of sexual abuse and often for them to go to a class and to be invited to just let their hips go and shake it out is totally terrifying, especially if men are in the class. You know, so they might need to start in a more safe environment, maybe just four or five women or maybe just one other woman. Um, so I think we all need to work through our own issues because we all have them. You know, I have not met a single person who is just absolutely and all the time happy to be in their body. I think it's part of. Um, our opportunity right now is to evolve through embodiment and to look into what is my body holding in terms of personal, but also um, intergenerational or interpersonal trauma or stories that we haven't um, processed or integrated because it's a library of all our stories. And my way has always been to look at it, you know, what, pattern hasn't expressed itself or where is the energy stuck where is there no movement in the body and how can I support bringing movement back because the idea with the five rhythms work that I mentioned before is that once we begin moving in this authentic way with breath our psyche puts itself in motion and healing begins to naturally occur so there's a real power here around using movement as a way to create healing in your own body mind heart spirit but the invitation is you know come as you are come in your body as you are and what I have heard over and over again is that after that initial hurdle to look across the dance floor and go all, all these people are dancers and I'm not you know once people get over that there's a huge sense of relief a huge sense of relief oh my god I can just be as I am I'm going to lie on the floor for two hours because in my corner, that's where I feel comfortable. Well, then do that. Mm -hmm. You know, so I think as human beings, we're constantly in our bodies, especially in this age of social media under pressure you know, to look a certain way, to dress a certain way, to feel a certain way. And, and my spaces are really all about be yourself and really honor the movement that comes deeply from your instincts and deeply from the impulses from the body. Don't try to make things up, you know, to look cool. 
because uh, it's quite obvious when people do that, you know, and often it's like, okay, I do that for a while and, oh, that gets kind of boring. And it's much more interesting to see what wants to naturally come out. I think having like brought up this, you know, body relationship and the spectrum of it, um, mm-hmm. I think because you started talking more about movement, it's making me think about how music is ritualized sound and perhaps dance is ritualized movement. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Uh, And and I get the the impression, um, I'll I'll admit a few years ago, I did go to a a Five Rhythms. I I don't know if it was yours, but it was a, a local one. And it did have that, impression where the music creates kind of a sacred space an anchor like at the center because everybody is in the music so it's the one thing that all the people share plus i guess having a body <laughs> like you said if you have a body uh then you can embody um, yes yeah so, so it's like and when you describe like somebody's lying down there or sitting down or you know the wheelchair um it's kind of the a zone where that flattens the differences between people because there's there's less mind stuff mm-hmm. um, I, I'm just trying to repeat what I think you said is that does that sound right yeah I love yeah. your paraphrasing yeah. I love your paraphrasing especially that um you know the about the ritualized pieces of of movement and music that really resonated for me because hmm. it is true i think when we work intentionally with music and movement it becomes ritualized it becomes you know i use, use the word medicinal a lot and i i realize you know that is a very specific thing to me uh you know medicinal for me always means it's like there's a there's an application hmm. as an application um, but it is more about intention, I think, and the word ritual captures that so well, is to know that the music that I'm choosing has an impact, and it it creates a vibration in the space. Because another thing I think that we haven't touched on so much is, you know, yes, there is music, and there is movement, and there are people, but the truth is everything happens in the energy of the space, Right. And how are we infusing the space that holds all of us and that influences all of us with a sound frequency and movement? And it's very alchemical, but I do think, you know, these bubbles of bliss that we create, it ripples out. It mm. ripples out. Right. And we actually influence the shared space of humanity if we come together with clear intention. And you know, play certain songs, sing certain songs, move in a certain way. You know, I really have been paying attention to that, how I feel in these gatherings, but also how I perceive these energies begin to ripple. It's kind of like that butterfly effect that we're talking about often, right? In science, is like me doing something over here can suddenly cause something amazing to happen at the other side of the world. So I, I've been a lot more exploring the transformative power of spaces, of actual spaces, uh, you know, through the shared experience. Well, our ancestors <clears throat> certainly identified and sought out sacred spaces, you know, caves uh, where um, that act as resonance chambers and 
that have uh, evocative lighting effects and so uh, space. Yeah, something I've been thinking about too a lot. Let's bring it back to what well, let's bring it back to the space. So what happens in the space for somebody who's curious about this, doesn't know what it is, and is recognizing there's like a desire for them to participate in this, like, let's make it friendly for them. What can they expect? What happens? And how, how does it go? Yeah. So when you walk into any of my spaces, you get greeted by my amazing crew. And already there, I often feel people's heart opens because it's very rare to get direct eye contact these days and to be welcomed really from the heart. So people come into the space and the first 20 to 30 minutes of a class or a program are often spent in what I would call a rival or warm up where I play music you know, to ground a group, to connect a group to themselves. I might give a few words of instruction, for example, focus on your exhalation, you know, relax through your shoulders, see if you can make good contact through your feet with the ground. But the intention for me with the first 20 to 30 minutes is just to create that transition from the world out there and very busy mind to quieting a mind, settling the nervous system, and creating some sense of, of um, presence in the space. And, you know, some people become very present to me. It's like their focus is all out or present to other people. And other people go right into themselves, eyes closed. They drop into themselves. And often I will make an invitation to say, just notice what's present in you, in the body. What can you access? What are you feeling? So there is a sense of bringing a group you know on the same page depending on the program we work with a specific intention for a class like tonight for example I'm offering a program um, which will be more of an ecstatic dance program meaning that we go up high into the beat so there is a bit more of a sense of high energy in the space and uh, with the full moon that we have today you know, I often notice that the spaces are very charged and we need to find a way to dissipate some of the intensity. So tonight will really be a focus on emptying. And we do that through a map that I call the e-map, where we enter the body, you know, which can be through breath and attention or movement, but we allow ourselves to experience what it's like to be in our bodies at this time, really acknowledging what is present. And then we express it through the body. So that can involve, you know, all kinds of movement and can even involve sounds and breath, can involve connection with another. And after the expression, you know, we invite the emptying and the emptying happens in the ecstatic wave, often in the higher beats. You know, for those of you who know beats, you know, I usually play 125 beats per minute or faster. So it bypasses the brain. It's faster than the heartbeat. And it's, something happens, especially when we begin to offer the head, right? When the head no longer tracks, but we put the head into movement and allow for the exhalation to take us deeper into the faster movement. There is a sense of letting go and a sense of emptying. And I always play um, you know, kind of calming, grounding music in the end. Uh, which I call the stillness or integration time and give a few more instructions for people to integrate that practice. And then we come together in a circle where we all get to see each other and sit. And often there is a sharing. Sometimes we sing a song. 
if I have a musician tonight, I have a live musician. He will play a little bit of music on the Han Pan to share some uh, you know vibration in the space. So there's really always a sense in the end of we have done a practice together and what are we taking away? Um, and depending on you know, who leads the class, there's different ways that people facilitate. Um, but for me, it's always important to make invitations that you can try on because not my every invitation that I make will work for your body. Um, so you are always the ultimate authority on how are you choosing to move. Okay, just um, so if people want to, uh, you know, inform themselves of this, what would be the best place mm -hmm. for them to go? So if you want to hear about my work directly, you can find me at bettinaross.com, B-E-T-T-I-N-A-R-O-T-H-E.com. And I offer a variety of in-person online programs and also embodiment coaching. And if you are interested in general in Five Rhythms, we have a global network with classes all over the world at fiverhythms.com. And I think any type of conscious dance practice or ecstatic dance practice, they're sprouting up all over the world right now. Um, so even if you use those search terms, I'm sure you can get connected to a local source. So all of those links, of course, will be in the show notes <clears throat> for those who want to... Uh... Thank you. To, to click without typing. <laughs> um, is there anything that uh, you wish I would have asked about or maybe something I forgot? Or No, you haven't forgot anything. I think one thing that I want to mention, um, because we talked about communion and community, um, that has been really on my mind and um, is a direction that I'm pursuing further in my work right now is how to create inclusive spaces with communities that are not necessarily all on the same page. So communities that are experiencing division or um, separation or, you know, even past uh, experiences that have directly caused trauma or have divided them and how to create opportunities to heal that through sharing music through sharing movements, through sharing sound, through a song, for example, or shared drumming experience. So I'm thinking a lot about resonance these days and what it feels like to be out of resonance and to other somebody and put up walls and what is required to break down those walls. So I've been um, working on my own um, body of work called Circles of Inclusion, um, which hopefully you'll be seeing more of in the next few years. Right now, it's still very local and, um, you know, primarily I talk about it a lot these days in, in media. But my, my goal and my intention is to go into more highly polarized environments. Um, because I think here, yes, we have some, you know, challenges, especially right now during COVID with different viewpoints. But generally, people are on the same page. You know, it's not like we're walking in a room where you can tell, you know, we're at war with each other, or there's so much unprocessed stuff that there's a, a real sense of division. Um, and the way I grew up, I grew up in West Berlin, I grew up with a lot of division and separation. And I've always felt that it is a gift that I can bring is to bring unity, you know, through the type of work that I do and through the experiences that I offer. 
And so I guess that's a question I have for you and, you know, anybody else who wants to talk to me about it, you know, do you think it's possible to use specifically music and movement as a healing modality, you know, for communities that are experienced that type of division that I was talking about? Well, I host a podcast called Music, Meaning and Mystery. So, yes, (laughs) Um, this podcast has been uh, uh, kind of an act of reverence to the power of music. So there's no doubt in my mind that uh, it's definitely one of the next steps that we have to take in uh, in our human community, but I think uh, especially in our local communities. Um, we don't know our neighbors. That's, I think that's very, very dangerous. I think that's very, um, it's very sick, very ill. Um, so the fact that there exists spaces where people sit and all lend their attention to uh, one thing that they all agree upon spontaneously without any thought instinctively as being good is uh, something that we need not, we, we shouldn't, we can't overlook this. This is incredibly important. Mm-hmm. Um, while you were talking about, and the, the topic of music as medicine has come up in almost every single episode of oh, this wow. podcast without me. I think maybe I, I prompted a guest once. I think everybody else, uh, people just know this is, mm-hmm. um, and then medicine for illness, uh, illness is not just uh, made of, you know, cell tissue and, and molecules. Uh, illness is made of uh, your soul and, and uh, your spirit can be ill. Uh, and we need, we need medicines, a revival of the medicines that heal the spirit and the soul and the spirit of a community. Uh, yeah. Um, so I, I think definitely that's something that needs to be done. And while you were talking about that, I thought about, workplaces um because workplaces you know there we're sometimes they look for team building exercises or you know let's go let's go have drinks i think there could be some workplaces that uh, that see themselves uh, have a have a self image of progressivism that and correctly or incorrectly doesn't matter that could could be inclined to embrace something like this Mm-hmm. so yeah um good question is definitely i i want and as you were talking about that maybe my immediate thought was like gratitude i wanted to thank you for because that is that is very very bold and but also incredibly correct <laughs> um, especially with your like you're talking your experience in west berlin like you you know i know uh, yeah, yeah. And it, it's a real um body-based experience to feel other and to feel separated and the longer I study uh, neurobiology I'm a bit of a science geek I studied psychology and neurobiology and neuroscience a little bit Uh, the more I learn is that we cannot overcome our problems with the mind alone and that a feeling of inclusion and unity cannot happen in the head alone you know it's like yes I can create a vast viewpoint to hold uh, different opinions and different people, but it is a tangible experience of the heart and the body. 
And that's, I think, been my fascination. Um, and I was attending a conference. I spoke at that conference, too, as the embodiment conference. There's all these incredible conferences popping up now. Because like 10 years ago, nobody knew what I was talking about when I talked about embodiment. But now at least we know what we're talking about, the awareness of the body and being in the body. But the person that I was listening to was working in um, high conflict zones or war zones. And she used movement and uh, often um, rhythm, you know, just making rhythm together, like clapping. And what she called, um, you know, bringing the nervous systems into resonance of bringing them down because we co-regulate around each other. And if we're afraid of each other and put up walls, is like it's almost like our neurons don't fire together, but we build these invisible walls between each other. And often our sympathetic nervous systems, you know, are like in fight and flight, trying to protect or attack or something in between. And so she said that one way of healing trauma or you know, experiences that have been causing suffering is through bringing these brain frequencies and bodies back together in a shared experience of rhythm. That something happens in with the mirror neurons and sharing frequency that calms down the nervous system. And then it got me thinking, you know, that our ancestors had so many practices like rowing boats together or marching together or being in the fields together that were rhythmic. And they created that sense of togetherness, right? And today, when you think about it, we don't have a lot of opportunities as adults to even be in any kind of rhythm with the community. And so I'm, I'm really looking at it now even more as because you said medicine as something that we need collectively, our healthy experiences to be unified through rhythm. And uh, yeah, I'm still learning a lot about it, but I'm glad you know to hear your perspective and that most of your guests on your show have been identifying music as a medicinal tool as something that can weave us back into wholeness because i believe that too this podcast has a traditional closing question and the closing question is what should people listen to yeah listen inward get really familiar with the sounds that are alive in your own body your breathing your heartbeat all these different ways that your body communicates and speaks to you all the time and I sometimes say moving to your inner music is the most potent music you'll ever hear so the invitation has been extended to all bodies come as you are dance ecstatically each one of your movements brings the world into this moment weaving your body into wholeness is the medicine. I issue a challenge to myself and I welcome you to undertake this as well. I feel that with age, I've lost my will to dance. However, in my home now, every Friday is dance day. Immediately after work, we set a timer, put on some music and dance. Imagine every home in the world dancing every day. I'm starting with Fridays, and you know what? I'm going to leave the curtains open. I don't care for performing for the neighbors, but if my dance is to heal the world, I should let it out. 
If dance is beneficial in a war zone, it's certainly beneficial in my neighborhood.